0: Welcome to Your Next Mission Podcast with the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and co-founder of the American Freedom Foundation, Jack L. Tilley, proudly presented by Cavalry Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans.
1: Hello out there, Warriors, past and present, and your families and and thank you for what you do for this great country. Uh, welcome to season three of your next mission video podcast, a, a program initiative of the American Freedom Foundation. I'm Jack Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and your host, always love saying that any doggone way, which is back on active duty. But uh, now before we uh, get started, I wanna personally thank our, our presenting sponsors, Calvary Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans for for making your next mission happen. They love our veterans and families, and I'm gonna say this every week too, we love them too. We have a great show for you today. In fact, we have a wonderful show for you today. We're gonna focus on the Army National Guard. And I'm excited to introduce Lieutenant General John A. Jensen, the 22nd Director and Command Sergeant Major John T. Raines, the 13th Command Sergeant Major of the United States Army National Guard. Uh, So good to have you on the show.
2: SMA, it's great to be here with you today. Thanks for for the invitation and, you know, have the opportunity to talk a little bit about the Army National Guard.
1: Um, I tell you, the National Guard does such a great job, and I think our audience is really going to be interested to hear what both of you have to say today. But there's always a but to everything. Uh, We have a lot to talk about today. But before we do that, here's another but for us. Can each one of you tell us a little bit about yourself? And, sir, we'll start with you.
2: Okay, Great. Uh, well, SMA, I'm getting ready to uh, celebrate my 40th uh, year of service. I enlisted initially in the Iowa Army National Guard, HHC, First of the 168 Infantry, back in November of 1982. Uh, like a lot of a, a lot of reserve component soldiers, I enlisted initially for the for the college uh, bonus, uh, but then you know just really found a lot of purpose in this mission and served with some great men and some great women, and so. It, it just became part of, part of my life. Uh, got commissioned in 1989. I've, I've held every position from platoon leader to division commander and uh, had the great opportunity uh, to serve as the adjutant general of the Minnesota National Guard before coming into this position as the 22nd director. And so, and then I've got this great teammate over here to my right who's gonna tell us a little bit about himself too. Well,
1: before you say something, sir, every time I get somebody on the show, I always say that, you know, not too many people have over 36 years. And so I always say uh, you're a quitter because you didn't serve as long. As you. Now I got to say I'm a quitter. <laughs> I'd never call you that, Sergeant Major. <laughs>
3: never, never. All right. Hey, Sergeant Major, go ahead, man. Hey, SMA. Hey, yeah. We can't ever call you a quitter. I mean, you are the uh, the quintessential soldier for life. I mean, continuing to do what you're doing with Freedom Foundation. And hey, we thank you and the honorary Sergeant Major. <laughs> don't. I told you don't don't build him up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey! Uh, you know, you, are, you already, you already gave the uh, welcome, uh, John Rains. I am the uh, 13th Army National Guard SART Major. who? <laughs> I did not hear you. But hey, uh, you know, I am originally from Alabama. But when I first started my army career, I started my army career around 1989. I don't have the 36 years. I've got 33 years. So uh, so I'm still just a youngster, you know, in the Army compared to to, to the gentleman sitting to my left and you. But uh, but I started out in the regular Army. I did about nine years in the regular Army and then um, got out of the regular Army, came back to my hometown to be a firefighter. I was from a firefighting family. Uh, my dad was a firefighter, and uh, that's what I chose to do until uh, those two airplanes flew into the Twin Towers. And uh, I was actually getting off shift that day when they flew in. And I knew when that second one flew in, I said, Hey, you know, I'm I'm going back in and I'm going to serve the country in a different way. Uh, you know, I want to go and and help, you know, try to get the people that are responsible for this to make sure it never happens again. So, so I started my service back again, you know, with the uh, national guard on the full-time side uh, on on that day and transitioned back and forth to a a couple of different, uh, states, Uh, eventually ended up in the Mississippi national guard and, um, went on a few deployments like a lot of us over the last 20 years yeah. and, and got stationed out in Hawaii as the J3 senior enlisted leader and, and got called back to Mississippi uh, by the TAG at the time uh, to come back and be a state SARC major and uh, served in that capacity or the C-cell capacity for Mississippi for, for roughly about six years before I came to D.C. And, uh, and my current boss uh, asked me to come be his teammate, and, and that's what led us up here. Uh, but I will tell you, uh, not not all work coming to D.C. My uh, son and my daughter were both in the D.C. area. My son's married and got our three grandbabies. So as I travel around the garden, take care of the guard, you know, and a big part of that's our families. Uh, I have positioned my wife of 33 years here with the grandbabies, which makes her really happy. And when I get back to D.C., makes uh, makes Pat Pat really happy as well. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, I,
1: I take tell- I tell you, I must be getting really old. I got three great grandbabies, uh, and I love them to death. I, there's no question about it. Now, you only have 33 years, but I'm not going to call you a quitter. I know you're still serving. <laughs> sir, sir, we're, we're going to start with you. Today, we're celebrating National Guard's birthday, 386 years. today. Who, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the long and impressive history and service to, you know, to our great country? I, I know personally all the stuff the National Guard does, but can you tell the audience a little bit about it?
2: yeah so uh so we draw our birthday back to december thirteenth uh sixteen thirty six so three hundred and eighty six years ago. wow uh in in at that time the the Massachusetts uh, Bay colony, uh the local government there mandated that they establish uh, a, a militia. so three regiments of uh five hundred uh, citizens uh per regiment were formed and had that had that first muster. Now, I gotta tell you though, SMA, there's a little controversy on, on 1636. So if you're a Virginia guardsman, right, you'll tell, you'll say that the National Guard's birthday goes back to 1607 in Jamestown, <laughs> right? When the establishment wow. of, uh, of, of a militia in Jamestown. But if you're a Florida guardsman, you'll go back to even farther in history and uh, you claim in St. Augustine in 1565, the local citizens uh, came together and established uh, a, a militia for for their protection, but outside of those two uh, states the the official you know as decreed by the United States Army birthday of the National guard is december 13, sixteen thirty six three hundred eighty six years uh, ago and we're super proud of that
1: well yeah I gonna tell you right now uh, i I don't think a lot of people know the kind of sacrifice that the national guard makes for this country and uh... A lot of, you know, I, I go out and speak at a lot of different events, and and, there's, and, and we see the National Guard in our communities and a, a lot more than any active duty. I don't think we ever see the active duty out there. So I just, again, want to tell you guys, thanks a lot for, for what you both are doing and what all the National Guard uh, service members are doing for our country. Sir, can you describe the National Guard mission of both at the local and, uh, and the federal levels? I mean, I know they're involved in a lot of different stuff there.
2: Right. So, what makes the National Guard different from our other reserve components is is exactly what you just laid out there, SMA. Is our dual status. So we simultaneously uh, serve at the state level and at the federal level. Right. So that that status is called Title Thirty Two. That Title Thirty Two status is federally funded, but under the command of our governors at uh, at any given time. And so we're able to we're able to respond locally. Uh, inside our, our our communities and inside of our state uh, upon the order of our governor uh, and, and can do that immediately. But we also have that federal mission where under the President of the United States and uh, the Secretary of Defense uh, can get mobilized and deployed as we've seen guardsmen do for, for the you know the entire history of the United States, uh, respond to uh, federal emergencies, whether that's OCONUS or even inside of the uh, the United States. So that, that dual status makes us different than the other reserve components of, of the Department of Defense. Yeah,
1: I, I'd simply tell you, in, in all the deployments that I've ever had in the military, uh, we could never get the job done without the, uh, the National Guard. You know, the uh, Army's uh, well, I was on active duty, we had 10, now we had 11 divisions, but uh, that constant rotation of you know, Afghanistan and Iraq, if the National Guard had not been in that footprint with us, uh, it would have killed the active duty. So uh, again, God bless you for, for what you guys are doing. Sergeant Major, people first is, is one of the Army's you know, major priorities. I, you know, I know your soldiers have been doing a lot in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, they, you know, that's affecting the families and, and they really have accomplished a great deal. Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Hey, Esme, yeah, you're right. The uh, last few years uh, have been hard on all Americans, not not just guardsmen, uh, but but all Americans have had, you know, to deal with what's been going on the last few years. But but what better way to get through that than be part of the solution? And uh, when I look at our, our guardsmen, I mean, I, I think that's exactly what's helped them and their families get through this is. Is They've often been part of that solution, whether we're talking about COVID, whether we're talking about civil disturbance, hurricanes, storms, wildfires. I mean, I mean, you name it. Uh, You know, I I think I heard the SMA talk about the other day. He was talking about the year of the guard. And he said, hey, it seems like it's been the year of the guard for the last three years. (laughs) And uh, I think it's been the year of the guard for 386 years at least. That's for sure. So, so no, no doubt that these last few years we we have we have done a lot, and I mean I think at one point in time we had over a hundred thousand Guardsmen uh, serving in some kind of status, whether it be in those ones I just mentioned, or whether it be supporting geographic combatant commanders in the war fight. And, and we always like to hit on that one because it's easy to lose focus when we're responding here on the homeland and our in in that role with our governors, and then sometimes even with the federal government is asking us to respond in the homeland. it's easy to lose track of how many we do have forward deployed uh, with the war fight. so um, you know that that's always a good number and we always have a pretty much steady state force that is pushed forward uh, in, in that war fight. So you know so it, it's um you know it's it's been it's been difficult but I would say that it's been easier for the guard side because we do feel like part of the solution. And we felt like that we're out there helping, you know, uh, not just our families, but but the American family side of the house. And uh, and, and we've been on the news a lot. You, you've seen us a lot out there, yeah. you've seen our presence out there. And I'll go back to what you said. You know, uh, often you don't see the regular army in our community stateside. But what you do see, is you see the guard. So a lot of times we get to know the army through our Army National Guard because they are out there in the communities. Uh, doing what they do. But but I also like to, to draw uh, our golden triangle. You know, we talk about the soldier, we talk about the family, and we talk about the employer. You know, every one of those allow us to be successful in the Guard, and we couldn't be successful without any part of that triangle.
1: Yeah. yeah, You know, that's you break up a couple, really, i bring a lot of good points there. One is that on a normal day, I used to, uh, I normally say the active duty side of the house has a probably between 80 and 120,000 deployed about 140 different locations or, or 80 different. I can't remember the numbers right now. Or you guys are about the same way, aren't you? I mean, you have 100,000 probably deployed in 60 or 70 different locations around the country. Our,
2: our, our, our high point uh, SMA was uh, June of 2020, we had 100,000 uh, out of the 336,000 uh, mobilized either on, on uh, a mission here in the United States or an OCONUS mission. Uh, what we've been averaging after, you know, after we got out of the the COVID response, is about thirty thousand that are that are mobilized at any given time here in the United States and 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 overseas. And so, primarily, uh, post COVID, it's been that federal mission. That's where our largest number is. But uh, but it averages between thirty and thirty six thousand at any given time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The other thing you made me think about, the the stress that's placed on, you know, the, uh, the National Guard because they got a full-time job. What about the employers? Do you have a lot of concern about the employers, especially when you deploy and then come back? I know that was always an issue when I was on active duty. Is that still a pretty big issue about going back and
3: making sure they don't lose their employment? Yeah, no, it's it's no doubt that's a, that's always at the front of our mind uh, when we were asking soldiers to do anything SMA. So uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's training, it doesn't matter if it's you know o- the overseas fight, it doesn't matter if it's COVID. Uh, you know, to a to an employer, that's a soldier that's gone. You know, doing doing their everyday job for them. So so we try to put special effort there uh, and, and make sure our employers uh, appreciate their um, you know uh, are appreciated for what they give us and it's not just you know uh, taken for granted so we do things like boss lift and we try to get them to see what their soldiers do. Uh but I, I would also say hey you know we're always looking for some help there and if we can uh if we can incentivize employers um you know and we can get some some help when it comes to the legislative side on tax breaks and things like that, that's always a great thing to recognize employers that that are actually hiring guardsmen. Because I always tell everybody, our employers, they know what guards, when they hire one, they know what they're bringing uh, to the table. They know those experiences uh, that soldiers bring, that leadership, that uh, just experience in dealing with diverse situations and diverse populations that they bring to their civilian job every day. They recognize that, and they usually will keep that soldier no matter how many times he, he uh, is deployed. But where we got to where we got to look at is to make sure that they continue to hire the, the new generation of soldiers. Yeah. Uh, if they can suck up that challenge and say, hey, you know, it's worth it. You know, I'm going to continue to invest and, and I'm going to continue to bring those soldiers on into whatever our employment. Uh, uh,
1: yeah. L- last question to that area. The, the uh, Does the, do you have so like a, a a briefing chart that you give the employer that says, hey, look, this is the commitment. This is what they got to do every year. This is what. And so they got to sign that or at least. And at least get a briefing. Yeah, either one of you can answer that.
2: Yeah, in, in in my experience, what we would do was we would arm each soldier every year with a document that showed all of their training uh, dates for the entire year that we asked them to take to their employer and share that with their employer. Yeah. You know, signed by, you know, company commander or battalion commander, just to, to provide that formal notification to the employer about, hey, this is what the requirement is, this is what our expectation is. And what we found is that the more that we communicate with our employers, the more supportive they are. Yeah. The more effective that we can be uh, for the requirements, the more supportive uh, our employers uh, will be. And so it's, that, it's like every other organization, SMA, you know this, it's communication, communication.
1: Yeah. Uh, the last thing of that, too, I would imagine sometimes you bring those employers into your National Guard uh, armories and say, let's brief you, let's, you know, get the education, and have like a, a family day with them so you can keep them close to you. So
3: they certainly understand yeah, yeah that that's the one I was talking about with the boss lift that's yeah. an example of one of those things where we'll, we'll bring them in and we'll use our other side as well we'll use sometimes we we'll use our air guard component yeah, yeah we'll put them on airframes and let them experience getting to fly you know we'll put them in rotary assets on the army side and let them fly on helicopters but we go out our way to make sure they understand what what the soldiers are actually doing when they're away from that employment because yeah, yeah. you know no, nobody wants to feel that hey uh, they're letting them go and uh you're sitting around not being a productive member. So it, it doesn't take long when you see uh tanks firing and when you see you know, airplanes uh taxing to realize, hey, man, when I'm letting these guys off from work, they're <laughs> yeah.
1: It's funny it's that one last thing I'll get off this real quick is is that when I was deployed down to Bosnia that we actually brought uh uh, employers from Germany down into Bosnia and showed them around, gave them a big tour. So we wanted our community to understand, the, uh, again, the kind of sacrifices uh, that our military make. Sir, you've talked a lot about modernization alongside the Army. You Really, I think you've cited 2030 as a target date. That sounds like a pretty demanding additional training for a part-time soldier. What should soldiers and family members expect from that?
2: Well, what's what's really exciting about the modernization efforts of the United States Army, it, it's across all three compos, you know, our active component, our Guard and our Army Reserve. And so in support of the regionally uh, aligned readiness and modernization model or rearm, what we talk about is, is that we are gonna modernize the entire United States Army, you know, as we head to 2030 and then even beyond into 2040. So here's what soldiers can expect during this time is, you know, this goes back to the, the predictive uh, requirements that we talked about with employers, is that there'll be three primary phases that uh, a unit will move through, a unit life cycle, right? There's always the, the training phase. There's always the employment phase. But now the Army has added a modernization phase where we'll have a dedicated period of time where uh, working with the Army is, we'll modernize a unit. New, new equipment is usually what that is. And so uh, because it's a dedicated phase, now we actually get a plan for it, we get a resource for it instead of, and I'm sure you had this experience during your career, a lot of times we just jam it in between things, right? Yeah. Uh wasn't always, you know, really well resourced or or planned out. You just went and did it because the army sets time. Well, now, now it's much more predictive and 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 soldiers are able to plan around that, and more importantly, leaders are as well because whether it's NCOES or officer education, you know, there, there's only, only so much time that, you know, guardsmen have to be able to give to their unit because of all these other competing demands. And so I think we're gonna be more predictive uh, for our soldiers. And as a result, we're gonna be able to move through this model pretty quickly.
1: It, it's, uh, I remember during Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, we never have enough money to do the kind of training that we need. We never have enough time, and especially in war. Uh, They give you all the money, you just don't have the time. And when they peacetime, you got all the time and no money, which is really sort of sad. Uh, That's for doggone sure. Yeah, that's uh, the the other thing I think about, probably the audience doesn't know that, that we're continually transforming the military, the National Guard, the Reserve. I mean, we're always transforming. So it's just not something that we do every three or four years. It's something that's constant. And that really, I always tell people the, uh, the difference in our military for all services, is I always say it's a non-commissioned officer corps because that's, you know, some junior leaders that really make some big decisions. And you know, it's our technology uh, that makes us the biggest. You know, we're not the biggest army in the world. We're the third largest. I think it's uh, India, Pakistan, and then us, we're number three. But uh, that's, that's a big deal. We got to make sure we keep transforming the army and making sure that we have a, the right equipment. The other thing is um, going back to Iraq and Afghanistan, one of the disadvantages of that time was I hope it's better now. Is that the uh, Army National Guard didn't have the newer type of equipment? We had older equipment at that time, and what we did is all of a sudden we threw all this equipment on you that was new equipment. I, I'm sure we fixed that problem now. We are or have we? I guess.
2: Well, we really want to try to do this on the front end of of, of any training cycle that leads us into an employment or a deployment cycle, yeah. and so I think you're, you're you're right on there, SMA. Well, you don't want to do it is get mobilized go to your mobilization station and then all this equipment's dumped on you right there right before you go into theater because what you want to be able to do is have the reps and sets with that equipment so you're an expert on that uh equipment and the key part of that and you laid that out sma is our nco core right we got to make sure our nco core uh has the time to develop that expertise so they can do what they do better than any uh, other element of the of the military across the world which has trained u.s. Army soldiers to to be a lethal force on the battlefield
1: yeah, There's no question sir. We're talking with lieutenant general John Jessen director and CSM John range command sergeant major of The United States Army National Guard And if you're watching your next mission video podcast with me I always like to say your host Jack Altilli 12th sergeant major don't forget uh, you can uh, if you enjoyed this discussion, you can click on that subscribe button below and uh, and join the force. Be a part of the team, be a part of the National Guard team, the Army team, but be a part of our country's team. And that's uh, that's certainly what we're looking for here. Sir, to continue on our discussion about modernization, you said that modernization is just not about equipment. Uh, what do you mean by that?
2: Yeah, when, when we talk about modernization, we always think of new things, right? New, new kit, new gear. Uh, but for the army, it's it's also going to be about new organizations. We're going to organize the army differently. You know, we have now moved back to division-centric formations, right? Where the decisive action arm of the of the army is going to be that the d- division headquarters and the and the brigades below it. But more importantly uh, than that, it, it's about people, yeah. Yeah. right? It, it, it's 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 ensuring that we're recruiting uh, and assessing the right people. It's about retaining the right people. It's ensuring that we're training uh, our, our people and and we're giving, giving them the latitude uh, to lead. Yeah, you know this SMA, the United States Army is all about people. We are a people centric force. And so we've got to get the people part of this right. Uh, Cause it's not always about the most modern equipment. It's about the most lethal soldier. And uh, our soldiers are the, great young men and the great young women that, that come join the United States army army guard and army reserve. Yeah. Sorry. Reggie.
3: Want to add anything to that? Hey, uh, you know, SMA, we talking about people, you know, people, that's, that's our lane, right? Yep. But, Absolutely. You know, we talk about people, you know, what's that mean to NCOs? That means individuals, um, you know, crews and small teams. And when we start talking about modernization and we start getting this new equipment in, it's got new, you know, capabilities, you know, we, we've got to be ready as uh, NCOs and we got to be spun up and we got to understand this new equipment so we can put it in the hands of a lethal, you know, soldier that's going to go out there and do the end business, you know, at, at point uh, of the spear. Uh, Cause I, I mean, that's, that's really what it's all about, especially when you're talking about NCOs and you, you said something, you made a comment, you said, uh, you said one of the things that makes our uh, military different. Uh, I always like to say two things, our NCO Corps, no doubt makes our army different. But, but our reserve component to include our Army National Guard, that's the two things we like to point out because n- nobody has a reserve component like, like the US military has. And, and that advantage that, that we give you know, our political leaders when they make decisions, uh, when you start looking about our numbers and what, what percentage we make up of the total force, uh, that, that's another uh, piece that gives us a distinct advantage Uh, When you start talking about, you know, around the world and and the capabilities that militaries bring to the fight. But but getting back to the people side of the house, you know, I look at the modernization and and we're not just modernizing just just to keep pace with uh, with our peers. You know, we're we're also modernizing just because we need to do some things better. Yeah, Yeah. we look at when we look at taking care of our people, for example, I I look at some of the things that are out there, you know, that give us challenge right now. You know, we've got we've got just so many sets of orders. And when when our regular army counterparts think about orders in their mind, they're thinking about travel orders. They're thinking about, hey, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to school. But in the guard, that means pay orders. Every time we bring a soldier on, that means that, hey, we got to cut a new set of orders for that time period. And and we're challenged by that. You know, so when you start looking at things out there, uh, we need to modernize our systems as well of taking care of people and, and enable us to take care of our people, you know, more efficiently and effectively. And really, that means paying them the right amount at the right time. So, so that's some of my focus when I think about the people front and I think about modernizing. That, that's where my mind goes is making sure that, that soldiers aren't having to think about those other things. That they're able to think about this new equipment that we're going to put in their hands, and they're able to learn that the best they can.
1: Yeah, you may, I wish I should have a notebook and write all this stuff down because you guys are saying so many great things. But but one of the things I think is trust and confidence. They got to be uh, trust their leaders. Uh, they got to believe in their leaders. And and you guys quite frankly have a tougher job, I think, because you know active duty is you know three sixty five, but yours is you know once a week or once a week once a month, and then uh, two weeks during the uh, during the year. But, but it's, it's tougher because you're sort of dual-hatted and where you're focused at. And stay, staying efficient uh, is really a tough one too. I know that, uh, again, years ago, I was just saying that the, the National Guard wasn't quite as trained as well as, uh, as the active duty. I am gonna tell you today, I think that's different. I think you're trained just as well as the active duty because again, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't get the job done. But, but you're really right when you both talk about people if the people don't trust your leadership and they don't believe in you, uh, you'll never accomplish anything. You can't get the job done. And that's, uh, that's what makes us different. That's what makes us different than, uh, everything else. The other thing I think is really important is the family aspect, uh, the stress that you put on the National Guard and the, and the families that don't really, I guess you probably do have that, uh, that family network around the communities that really help each other out. Again, that's a question for both of you. Do you have a good family support teams that, uh, help the families, especially when you guys are deployed.
3: Yeah, SMA, um, you know, I, you know, I told you earlier when I introduced myself that I started out in the regular army and and then I came into the guard. And and I would say that, you know, when you look at some of the challenges that are out there, you know, that, that is one of the challenges piece because our soldiers aren't always from, you know, within, you know, two blocks of their armory. Uh, Our promotion systems and stuff spread, spread soldiers out across our states. So, um, so, so we're challenged, but I also think that's one of the things. If you look at some of the positives that have come about through COVID, you know, we we've actually come out with some, you know, some virtual uh, options out there, where so we've gotten a lot better at communicating with uh, with those distances involved, and uh, and I, I look forward to seeing you know where we can go with those pieces. But but I, I'll also tell you, you know, uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Karen. You know, I told you I've been married 33 years. You know, she she goes she'll be at the nominative leader course uh, this next week. Uh, she'll be sitting on a seminar uh, with with the SMA's wife, uh, Alexandra, and that they actually, um, you know, reach out to the families and they try to make sure that that we're hearing where the struggles are at in those families. And I think at the end of the day that that's what these family support groups are there for, you know, is to be a, that communication like 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 my boss just said, He said, communication, communication, communication. We've got all these resources out there, you know. Um, you guys provide, you know, a wealth of knowledge, but there's just all kind of resources out there. But where we often fail is being able to put those resources in the in the soldiers' hands when they need them. Just because, you know, you know, whatever the the constraints are there that that are challenge us to get after that. So we we've got to we've got to get better at that. But I, I think we've always got our eye on trying to make sure. That, that the families are represented in what we do because we know that's how we're going to be successful. We know, you know, the Army's been down on their recruiting number this year. We were a little down on our recruiting number this year. So so we know if, uh, you know, my core values, I always tell everybody, God, family, country, service. So when I talk about those things, if the guard wants to be successful, I got to bring the guard up to the family. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And, and I think that's what our
3: family support groups are yeah. about.
1: So, sir, you want to add anything to that or
2: yeah, I do SMA. I think you know. I think the big difference between the active component and and the Army Guard is we just define our communities a little bit differently, right? So, you know, if you're if you're stationed at Fort Hood, you know, your community is is Fort Hood. Uh, it, so, my experience in the Minnesota National Guard, our our community was the entire state. So it was our ability to connect with the with the community uh, because we didn't have one centralized place to come where our families could get services and support. You know, you really got to be able to reach the entire, uh, uh, you know, hinterland of your state, if if you will. And so, you know, we had this uh, great program called the Yellow Ribbon Network, which was literally at a network of, of communities and organizations and individuals and agencies throughout the entire state that were committed, not just to the Minnesota National Guard, but all of our service members uh, across all the compos and all the services in the state of Minnesota. And when you're able to when you're able to gather all of that together and and get that synergy, it can be an incredibly uh, powerful organization. But it's one that takes a lot of feeding and a lot of caring, and and you know, and they need to they need to feel like they have a purpose and a mission. And so, uh, when but when you get it right, it's incredibly powerful.
1: You guys are doing a you guys are doing a wonderful job. Let's let's take a quick break. Before we take that quick break, I want to remind you it's the National Guard's birthday, 386 years. Happy birthday, National Guard. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're watching your next mission video times.
0: You're watching your next mission. Proudly presented by the Cavalry Agency. They help brands dominate no matter their size. Ideas, strategy, action. This is Cavalry. Learn more at Cavalry.com. Navy Federal Credit Union, the most trusted credit union owned by members of the military community, serving all branches of the armed forces and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Purdue Global, providing affordable online education for hardworking adults. Learn more about a personalized, innovative, and world-class education at PurdueGlobal.edu. Veterans United Home Loans, the number one VA lender for five straight years. If you're buying, they're funding your dreams. Learn more at VeteransUnited.com. Now back to your host, the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, Jack L. Tilley.
1: Welcome back. We're blessed to be here today with uh, Lieutenant General John Jensen, Director of and Command Sergeant Major John Rains, the Command Sergeant Major of the United States Army National Guard. And we're celebrating the, uh, the National Guard's 386th year birthday, don't forget that. Wherever you are, stop, say happy birthday to the National Guard. I want our, vet, our viewers to reach out to me directly. Uh, tell us about your transition. Tell us, tell us what topics you like to cover. I always tell people this: this is not my show; this is our show. You know, we're all part of a family. You know, the only problem is, I'm not going to give you allowance. But we're all part of a family. But tell us what topics you like to cover. You can call or text me at 844-424-1134, and I'll actually reach back out to you, or send me an email at s m a tilly at yournextmission.org. Okay, let's uh, let's pick it up where we left off. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we're, sir, sergeant major, we're heading into our final segment with you both today, and I, I hope you both enjoyed it as much as I have. I just, just have a, I probably have a ton of questions, but they're only going to let me ask you a couple more questions here, to follow up, uh, sir. You've said that uh, that this is your federal mission that enables you to accomplish your state mission. Can you can you elaborate on that?
2: A- absolutely, SMA. You know. Uh, when you're preparing a soldier or preparing a unit for for combat, that's the most complex uh, mission we we could ever do, and and so we prioritize our federal mission because it's the most difficult, most complex mission. Uh, and if you're able, if you're able to do that, you can do anything back in your in your state and your community. Uh, whether it's responding to COVID, right? There was no there was no COVID response plan. We had to. You know, along with our governors and, and our other civilian leaders, we had to really develop this uh, on the go. But what allowed us to do that and what allowed our, our great soldiers to contribute that effort is that they are prepared to do the most complex thing known to mankind, which is combat. Uh, and so whether it's responding to wildland fires, hurricanes, COVID, civil unrest, uh, you know, our leaders have the skill. Uh, our, our, our leaders have the knowledge uh, to to do that, and our soldiers, to your point earlier, they trust their leaders, they, they know that their leaders are there for them, and sort of just allows us to do that whole, you know, we used to call it, uh, you know, spectrum of operations, but that whole array of of operations, but it starts with our preparation for the warfight. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I again, I got to tell you how proud I was in the National Guard because, you know, I was lining up, getting my shots, doing everything. And and I've seen those National Guard flagging the cars through and doing a, just doing a, a tremendous job. And, again, you know, uh, like being an old soldier, uh, it just know, just makes me feel good that we're do- they're doing God's work. You know, there's no question about that. Sergeant Major, this is probably a crazy question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Is the Army planning to maintain the Army National Guard as it, its operational reserve? I think I know the answer to the question, but go ahead.
3: Hey, SMA, uh, you know, I'm gonna say a loud uh uh SMA Jack Tilly. <laughs> so uh so yeah, with, with without without a doubt. I mean, does it mean we're gonna look the same, you know, in 2030 as we look now? No, I, I think the director already talked about that, you know, the division is gonna be the centric organization, yeah. not the brigades. So uh, we're gonna have some, with MDO, multi-domain operations coming down the pipe, we're gonna have some different kinds of units out there. You know, uh, you look at uh, the, the COMPO uh, mix, uh, there'll probably be some looking at, hey, uh, some early deploying units that the regular army needs in their formation. There'll probably be some of that uh, discussed to go back and forth. So when you look at those things, you know, we'll, we'll no doubt be a part of the. We'll be the operational reserve. And when you look at the Army National Guard, what, what, what are we in the Army National Guard? We are the combat reserve of the Army. So uh, that that's that's our big mission. Right. So if you want to be the combat reserve of the Army, what's that mean? It means you got to look like the Army. So uh, so our formations are going to look a whole lot like the regular Army formations look. And we're going to we're going to you know, we're going to give them that capability they need in that near peer fight. Because when you look at our force and you look at, no matter what you're talking about, maneuver, maneuver support, you know, uh, you look at the divisions going to be centric. Eight of the 19 divisions are guard divisions. So you look at uh, maneuver and maneuver support, uh, that's about 48% uh, of the regular army, uh, of the whole makeup of the whole entire army is guard units. So when you look at that, I mean, you know, we're a team and we're ready to go and, and compete in that space. You know, with uh, with wh- whatever comes down, the need uh, our country needs us yeah, to do. I,
1: I don't think most people realize. You know, when I came on active duty, which was a long time ago, uh, we had 18 divisions in the army, and, and then we shrunk it down to 10. I always, I was always worried when I was on active duty whether or not we. And I think there were discussions about even moving up, you know, lower to lower. I think at one time I heard maybe eight or six divisions, which is scary. But but luckily, again. When you look at the uh, the eleven you got now and the eight that you got, you got eight divisions of the National Guard, correct? Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So you got a total of nineteen. But uh, but that's that's scary. I mean, that's when you look at that. That's not really again. That's not that's not that big a force when you look at the kind of things that we have to. Do. When you talk about deployments and and uh, and wars, God forgive us. I hope we never get in another war. But but we know. I know. Or I think anyway. Uh, every five to ten years, there's something going to happen uh something somewhere around this world because there's too many uh too many uh people that just uh don't think correctly about us. I just can't uh live life the, the way we should be living life. Uh I, you know, first of all, let me say that uh happy birthday again to both of you and, and I've, I've enjoyed just really talking to you guys. Uh and I can't thank you enough for what you're doing and, and again, I don't think you guys get enough recognition. Uh you know, I don't think people really fully understand the kind of sacrifices uh, the national guard makes for our country i again as an old soldier i can tell you i I knew it when i was on active duty i could never have gotten it done without uh, the guard reserve and active duty the army Uh, you could never get the job done uh any final thoughts anything sir we're gonna start any final thoughts anything you want to share that maybe we missed
2: yeah hey sma you you bring up a good point there and and that it's about the army the entire army you know our uniform says United States Army on it. it. doesn't say United States National Guard. And so what makes the what makes the Army strong is when all three compos of our army are strong. And to your point, you know, the active component army keeps getting smaller, but the demand on the army is not getting smaller. And so we need, you know, the army guard, we need that army reserve element to, to be healthy, to be trained and be prepared. Uh, to go as part of the total army uh, wherever our our civilian leadership uh, sends us, and so, you know, I like I said, I, I've had a 40-year career. I've seen I've seen the Army National Guard really evolve into this operational force that you and CSM Reigns just talked about, and, I, and I'm incredibly uh, proud to be a part of it. I'm incredibly proud to be uh, a part of the United States Army. Uh, as well. And and I know you hear General McConville talk uh, about, you know, Soldier for Life and inspire and then hire. And I just got to tell you, SMA, you've inspired me today. So thanks for your leadership and your continued support of all of our service members, regardless of compo, regardless of uh, service. You're doing a great job. Thanks. Yeah, I but,
1: but again, I, we could, we could, I could probably talk another two or three hours here. You, you guys are the 911. The the military is the 911 for our country, and I don't think people realize how important that is. I mean, if there's a a disaster going on in a state, or I mean, I don't care what it is, they call the military to come up and and do do the work that we have to do, and we love doing anyway, taking care of uh, our family, which is the United States of America. Sergeant Major, uh, anything, any final thoughts?
3: Hey, SMA, uh, just again, thank you uh, for having us. Uh, I mean, you, you bring, you know, our, our message and uh, today it's our birthday, you know, so you bring that message uh, to, to your listeners. And uh, I think that's a pretty, pretty big crowd of listeners out there. So, hey, I, if I had one thing to tell them, it is I love wearing this uniform. You know, I love being a soldier. And I am proud uh, of all of our soldiers. You know, nothing made me prouder than this last week, sitting up there, knowing that that our Army National Guard squad made it to D.C. as one of the top four squads in the United States Army, the Army. You know, so and they competed uh, against the million-person Army, and at the end of the day, there were four squads sitting there. One of them was the Army National Guard squad. So, uh, so if you want to be a member of our team, you know, and you're listening out there to us today. Hey, go see a recruiter. We got them all over 2,600 communities uh, around the United States, and you know we need to replenish our ranks and we need to fill them up. And uh, we'll treat you right, and uh, and you'll bring. We'll bring you that same love I have for wearing this uniform. We'll put it in you, and we'll let you serve your citizens of this country.
1: I feel like singing Happy Birthday, Happy Birthday. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: yeah, you know. I, again, God bless you. Keep up the great work. And- Happy birthday, National Guard, 386 years. That's, that's uh, this is, I, I if you guys ain't listening, you must, must be a little crazier because I'm having a good time. Thanks to uh, Lieutenant, Gen, Lieutenant General Jensen and Command Sergeant Major Range for, for being with us today. If they didn't motivate you, something's wrong. You got your feet stuck in the mud. I, I'm uh, Jack Altilli, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, and you've been watching uh, your next mission video podcast. and And thank you for watching today please visit our website on yournextmission.org. Leave me a review. I always say, I hope it's a good review, but if it's not, I can take it. Uh, but tell, tell the truth. I, I wanna make this better and better and better for you. It's not about me. It's about the army. It's about making changes for our families and, and do all we can to make it better and better and better each and every day. You can also visit our partners there who uh, can to provide you with so many services That will assist you in your transition out of the military. I know that's tough sometimes, but but we want to help you. Also, please visit our corporate partners and and see all the jobs that are available for you. Please know we want to assist you any way we can. I'm going to say this one more time. Please know we want to assist you any way we can. Uh, Please follow me on all my social media channels. I'm an old guy, never thought I'd ever say this stuff Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Together we can make a difference connect. And if you enjoyed this discussion, and I know that you have with Lieutenant General Jensen and Sergeant Major Rains, again, I want to I wish them a, a happy birthday, National Guard. I, I just love the heck of what they're doing and what they're doing for our country. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, please hit that subscribe button uh, down below. Don't forget, we want to hear from you. Please uh, leave me a message or send me a text at uh, 844-424-1134. Or send me an email at uh, SMA Tilly at yournextmission.org. Again, thanks again to Lieutenant General Jensen and Sergeant Major Range for, for being with us today. They are making a difference. It was uh, just great having on the show. I always have final thoughts at the end, and, and I think today I'm just going to say I, I I absolutely love the National Guard, and I think uh, they do so much for our country, they, the sacrifices, the, the commitment, the deployments, that a lot of people never know the kind of sacrifices they make for a country, and just think about the families that are separated, you know, active duty, you know, I was 365, seven, you know, uh, you know, 24 hours a day, I was there, I was engaged. But when you talk about the National Guard, there's, there are people that one week in a month, two weeks a year that are sacrificing so much to make us or allow us to be free. And sometimes we take that for granted. Never forget, we live in the best country in the world. And we love our freedom, but it's because of the sacrifices that our military make for all of us that we can live free. Again, thanks for watching and thanks to Cloudcast Media and New Mind Studios. And of course, our four presenting sponsors, Cavalry Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans. We appreciate all they do for our military. And as always, I love this part too. And as always, see you on the high ground. Hooah!
0: You've been listening to Your Next Mission, brought to you by the American Freedom Foundation. Learn more by visiting yournextmission.org.